The Right Hook Podcast with the Mitsubishi Commercial Range, Pajero Executive, Pajero Commercial, Outlander Business, and new L200, all with a leading five-year commercial warranty. MitsubishiMotors.ie. It's Tuesday Travel on the Right Hook with MasterCard. What a week it is, because, of course, uh, uh, our competition to send listeners to Georgia's Wonders of the World started this week. So keep tuned in so you know what's going to happen. Monk on last week, uh, Taj Mahal, Grand Canyon, this week. This week, I want to cover, if we can, Machu Picchu in Peru, the Great Wall of China and the Colosseum in Italy. Machu Picchu, let's go. Okay, so, you know, it is an, it is an Inca citadel, so it, actually it's an entire mystery. We don't know what the hell it is, but it, it is in the, in the Andes Mountains in Peru, just east of, um, of Cusco. So, you know, if you, Peru is a long strip of country in the Andes going down to the coast with this huge bit of the Amazon jungle. And right in the heart of it is this newly discovered citadel. It was a lost Inca citadel from the 16th century that was found in 1911 by a Yale professor who happened to be stumbling through looking for something else entirely. And what we discovered was this was the lost royal sacred site of the, uh, of the Inca people. But the Inca people didn't write. They didn't have the gift of writing. Okay, so we—it is a mystery what they've left us. They've left us this incredibly this monument of incredible sophisticated engineering. Like actually, it's a system of of terraces, of 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 sort of temples, of home buildings, of baths in right on a pinnacle of the Rocky Mountain over above the uh, the jungle with the with a river winding around it. Um, and we don't know. We clearly know that this was highly sacred. What you can see is the shape of the of all the buildings and the stones that are put in different different ways are used to align with different equinoxes and with the different shapes of sacred mountains around the area. So there was real high engineering. And despite the fact that it's on this soaring pinnacle that you have to climb the whole way up to, they have terraces and irrigation systems. So they were using these 700 terraces not only to hold the buildings onto the steep sides of the cliffs, but also to control the rain that would come down to, to bring it into sort of cisterns for water and then um, and, and vegetable terraces that only for a few hundred people. So it would, have, it would have taken many thousands of people centuries to build only, well, decades to build only for a few hundred now, people. The thing about this, of course, is that like many things uh, that are from the past, yeah, you, you, have, you have to be on two good legs to get there because presumably last week you had me climbing out of the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. I have to climb all the way up in Machu Picchu now, do I? Yeah, and not only that, but you have to do it at sort of quite severe altitude too if you, if you you can make it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the thing what I would recommend, first, how you're getting there is you're going to fly to, well, Lima is the capital of Peru, so normally, you, you know, you're going to have to fly to Lima. Then you're taking another flight to Cusco, or you're doing the wonderful train journey, ideally take about two or three days over the Altiplano. On two, three-day train ride. Yeah, I mean, you can do it, you can do a bus ride on long, like 15, 16 hours, um, but if you have a few times to do all the way down to Puno and back up again, um, but you're always at travelling at high altitude. What I would recommend, Lima, the capital, is at sea level. Okay, so if you're flying straight up to Cusco, um, which is it's eleven thousand feet. Okay, so it's quite a, a, an ordeal. What I would do is arrive in Cusco and take the train straight to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu, like, is another few hours away from from Cusco. <coughs> It's about three, three or four hours on a train. Um, if you go, it's ideally to go straight to, to, to the little town below Machu Picchu, which is called Aguas Calientes. And the reason you go there, it's only, it's only 8,000 feet. 
So those 3,000 difference. Does that make a difference? Oh, make a huge difference. 11,000 is really hard on the body. Like, that's 3,000 metres. So and can you actually get altitude sickness? You can? Some people can. I do. I get bad. I wouldn't sleep the first day I was in Cusco, and I'd feel sick and nauseous. As we've talked about before, if you're in a country, which Peru is, which sells coca leaf tea, the tea, the tea you know, coca, the thing the cocaine is made out of, you'll have no problem. It will alleviate the really? symptoms immediately. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, you're arriving in Aguas Calientes, which is just a hot springs at the bottom of... Um, at the bottom of the of the of the mountain peak on which uh, Machu Picchu si- uh, sits, and then the next day, oh, first, how are you getting that last bit from Cusco to Aguas Calientes? You're on a train, but you have a choice of three different trains. Okay, so there's two sort of slightly touristed trains: um, the Explorer and uh, the um, Vistadome, the Vistadome and the Expedition. Sorry, and otherwise, Orient Express also have a luxury train for that three and a half hour trip, which you're served white tablecloth, champagne, the lot. It's going to cost you a lot of money. That's called the Hiram Bingham, named after the, 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 the professor who found the site. All right. And then okay. when you get to Cusco, when you, what you, when you get to sorry, Machu Picchu, Orient Express also have a hotel right at the entrance called the Belmont Sanctuary Lodge. You know, Orient Express is now called Belmont. So, but that's going to cost you, uh, you know, an arm and leg. Much better to stay. There's a lovely little nature, um, nature guest house with little huts in the forest called the uh, Incatara La Casona. Um, uh, no, sorry, called the Incatara Machu Picchu Pueblo Hotel, um, right in Aguas Calientes, which will cost a fortune. All right, OK. Well, look, don't forget, uh, it's Tuesday Traveller with MasterCard because we're sending listeners to Georgia's seven great wonders of the world. And, of course, all this week you'll be finding out um, how to enter Taj Mahal, we've done Grand Canyon, both those last week. This week, Machu Picchu. Now, you move then quickly and smartly to China yeah. to look at the Great Wall. Now, all these places that you're coming to, and with the exception of the Grand Canyon, which is a work of God, mm-hmm. all the other ones were built by millions of slaves working for nothing with fellas probably whipping them. And presumably, the Great Wall of China is no different. No, yeah, so I wonder, like, was your choice based on do you have a secret love of, of <laughs> monuments, mausoleums built by slaves in honour of great people? Is this as you think of your retirement? <laughs> Um, well, what's, but no, what is interesting about the places that you've picked out, they're all, they capture the national identity of the country, okay? So what's amazing about Machu Picchu is it was the only shrine in which the, the, the sacred stone, the Intahuatana stone, wasn't broken. Now, the Incas used to believe if you rubbed your forehead against the sacred stones that were in their temples, you immediately got enlightened, okay? Um, now, so the Spanish used to break, they'd find a temple and break it. Because they never found that shrine, they, they never broke it, and so the power is still in that shrine. In the same way, the Grand Canyon is the same. So in one way you could just say it's a big wall, but it's symbol- Sorry, the Great Wall rather the great, than the Grand Canyon. Sorry, the Great Wall of China. Of China. Yes. The Great Wall of China is the same sort of thing. It symbolises for the Chinese people this impregnability, how they will defend the sanctity of their far more sophisticated realm from the Great Unwashed. And they did so for so long. And, so and the- how long is this thing, this Great Wall? It's basically endless. Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's 900 kilometres in length. Now it's not, sorry, nine thousand kilometers in length it's not it's not unbroken so it's it's in pieces so let's say they'd run it along the hillside but if there was an impregnable cliff that they didn't need a wall to to, oh, to they do, skipped it yeah, yeah so it's 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 it, it, it runs 9000 kilometers but not continuously have we any idea how long this took 
Yeah, so, I mean, no, it was built... Centuries. Yeah, it was built over many different dynasties. Most of what you're seeing now is from the Ming dynasty, which was uh, 14th and 15th and up to the 17th century, up to 1644. But in fact, some parts of of it... Of the modern calendar, 1644. Not 1644 BC or No, so most of what you're seeing now is 14th to 17th century AD. But some of the bits are from the... um, from the Han Dynasty, which was 206 BC to about 220 AD, um, and it's actually a lot of the bits will mix. So you'll be in a the, you'll be in on the wall, and you'll suddenly come across a watchtower, and the rudimentary bits of it were Han, and then Ming will be built on top of All it. All right. Again. Now you, you walk along this. Yeah. Well, most people go and see it around Delhi. Like the beauty is if you Delhi. I'm yeah, oh, sorry. Around Beijing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was a quick shift. <laughs> all right. Uh, um, yeah. All yeah. right. So anyway, you you go. So presumably the trick is fly to Beijing. Then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so what you're doing when most people go, they'll do it on a half day trip from Beijing, and they'll go to to the two sort of main touristified sites are the Bedaling and Mutinyu. So when um, Mrs. Obama, when Michelle Obama and the two daughters went, they went to Mutianyu. And there there's a slide off the building. So you walk, climb up on the wall and then there's a water, a sort of a plastic slide to slide off it. There's a Starbucks built into the walls. Like you are packed <laughs> like, uh, so, like dumplings. Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. Like as, very cleverly to show who the new em, em, empire who's taking control is now. Like they're completely over-touristified. There's, you're crammed like dumplings in a pot, as they say. In, in, in those areas, so it's much better to avoid it. Particularly if you're on a half day, after a half day trip, it's about seventy or eighty kilometres up from Beijing to Badaling, to the nearest or, or to Mutianyu. Um, but the thing is, the traffic is so appalling in Beijing that's going to take you a lot longer. You're only left with min- maximum two hours on the wall, which is too short to appreciate what this is. So much better to go out to Simatai. Simatai is further; it's going to take a few hours to get there. But it's a nineteen-kilometre stretch of almost pristine uh, 15th, 16th century wall. And the thing is, you arrive in Simatai and you go through the turnstiles and you pay your ticket and there's a few tourists there. But then you can walk either west or east, four hours uh, west or east. You can hide, you can go as long as you want. As long. The problem is, there's 18 watchtowers on this stretch of, ro- of, of wall, okay? After about the 12th watchtower, the, the conditions of the wall gets really bad. So you're sometimes clambering up 70-degree inclines and you're going along precipices where there's a drop of 500 metres on one side if you take a misstep. Okay. Yeah. yeah, OK. One, I, I'm not going. Is that OK? You uh, don't mind if I don't go the precipice and the 500 You don't need to go to similar time. So <laughs> whoever wins the trip in our competition yeah. to the Great Wall of China better be pretty fit. Is that your suggestion? Yeah, I mean, you can easily, anyone can go to Badaling and there's wheelchair oh, access yeah, and all this right, handrails. Yeah. Metal and handrails. you can have a cup of coffee in Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if you want to do, experience the real the thing. The real thing. And find some of the old watchtowers. How towers, do you get to Scimitar? You got you a bus? A, yeah, you can take a bus, but ideally you take a taxi. And the thing is, let's say you're doing that four hours walk, and yeah. which is so, which can sometimes be precarious. You know, that's going to take you half a day. It's going to have taken you two days to fly, to, to drive up there. So you don't have the time to come back. So the, much better to get a taxi from, uh, let's say, make it, so you're going Simatai to Jin Shanling is the best play of going. So either you get, bring, you get your taxi to bring it to Jin Shanling, walk back to Simatai, and then you can get a bus to Beijing. Well, you, get, you take a taxi to the train station, then take a, or to the bus station, and then take a bus back to, to Beijing. And then you've done your trip. But if you're anywhere in northern China, if you're absolutely in Xinjiang province or anywhere in the Gobi Desert, you'll f- see far more un 
restored, purer versions of, of, the, of the wall. Of the wall. Yeah, the Gobi Desert's really interesting because they they still are what you might call it up there, aren't they? There's tribes people, there's Mongols. Yeah, and, and, yeah uh, tribes people. They're 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 um, Mongols rather than Mongols. Exactly. They 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 um, but but they're they're people who move. What do you call people who nomadic move? people? Nomadic, nomadic people. That's yeah. right. In the Gobi Desert. Yeah, and so, as I say, the thing is, you do need to see the Great Wall now because it's being destroyed at an alarming rate. By weather? By everything, yeah, exactly. By soil, by erosion of rain and wind, but also by local people. So if all the local villages along that entire 9,000-kilometre stretch have, are now more affluent, thanks to the new boom in China, all of them are building either extensions to their houses or new houses, and they have this collection of amazing bricks Still, oh, all of God, them yeah. sort of emblazoned with either the you know the the Han Dynasty or whatever the Ming Dynasty that built on it. So they're just taking those away. So a recent uh, report in, in by China realised that there was twenty up to twenty and thirty percent had gone like within the last decade of the wall. So it is the time right. to get to so see it. So we better go there quickly. And, yep. of course, you can in George's competition running all this week and next week to send listeners to George, one of George's seven wonders of the world. All the information I hear on News Talk. It's Tuesday. Travel with Mungo McGann and MasterCard, where you can explore, discover, and embrace your passions for dining, sports, and travel with Priceless.com. Finally, the Colosseum in Rome. And I went to the Olympics in Rome in 1960, Mm -hmm. saw the Colosseum, haven't seen it since. Uh, But it's a pretty special place. Like, we're familiar with computer-generated visions of it, with Russell Mm Crowe as Gladiator and so on. Mm -hmm. Now it's... uh, Wreck like. I mean, yeah. it's a uh, no, but it still it has this incredible grandeur. And what you have to do is close your eyes to kind of envision it, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so the thing is, it has improved since you saw it in 1960 because there, there was a lot of pollution happened in the 50s, yeah. 60s, and 70s. And the, the Italians have done an amazing job about cleaning that up. But as you say, when you stand and you see this built in AD 80, so built like 50 years after Jesus died, it is still there. Those three level of arches with, the, with all the columns on each level, a different Doric or Ionic column soaring up and you go inside the main thing is you're you know as you say it just looks like an empty expanse but when you're told that that floor was a wooden floor covered with sand the better to soak up the blood that, that yeah. came from the thousands of animals that when that when it first opened so it was inaugurated in, in, in 72 AD um, completed in 80, of 80 they had 100 days of, of celebrations of continuous warring which 5,000 animals were slaughtered by no matter no, you know like how many gladiators died at the same time and all of these were in, in under this uh, under the, the main Colosseum building in what's called the Hypogeum, you know, the, the yeah. network of cellars. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're doing a trip to the Colosseum, make sure, again, you're going to need to book in advance, but book a trip either to that underground network, the Hypogeum, and also to the top tier of seating. Your main ticket just allows you entry to the main to the main area, but you only get to see it where these thousands of animals would have been kept, where the gladiators would have been weighted, who were sweating, petrified by what was in front of them. Um, yeah. And then you look around, and those 50,000 spectators all coming together. 
Oh, for a short enough time, from the 1st century okay. until the 5th century. And, of course, Irish politics is modelled precisely on the Colosseum because what the emperors did was, listen, if we can keep the the uh, populace happy with bread and circus, mm-hmm. uh, then we'll laugh. And so we'll keep giving them uh, holidays to go. So the, uh, we politics do this now and on. They do the same thing. to get Once the, the, the rabble start getting uh, messy, well, we'll cut taxes or something to keep going. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, of course, um, about this whole Colosseum thing is that 50,000 people, the population of Rome might be quite small. Mm-hmm. This, this percentage-wise was a lot more than 50,000 in the Aviva. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Well, yeah. Because as a percentage of the population of Rome at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, so, and you know, we're not seeing it as it was. Like, it was clad in marble, clad in travertine, yeah. which then, uh, you know, unfortunately in the 15th, 16th century, the, the palazzos took it all to, to, to make new, beautiful um, medieval plazas. But um, not only that, but it wasn't the biggest coliseum, it wasn't the biggest sort of stadium in, in, in Rome. There was the, the, the Circus Maximus had yeah. 500,000 people. But but the other thing they did yeah. in the Circus Maximus, mm-hmm. because the crowd w- were looking for bigger and bigger spectacles, mm-hmm. they actually used to flood it and have sea battles. Uh, <laughs> you know, they'd talk, I don't know, the Battle of Actium or yeah, whatever yeah. the heck it was. Uh, and they would recreate that by flooding the thing and having, having naval battles, you know? So... I mean, because if you're given 100 days holidays to the unwashed, you know, you have to keep them happy. But it was a brilliant way of governing, I thought, you know, keep the rabble happy mm-hmm. by giving them bread and circus. And I misspoke. It wasn't half a million. It's a quarter of a million people yeah. in the circus maximum. But, well, that's bigger than the stadium in Rio, uh, I think, the it's football m- stadium, uh, which is one of the biggest. Well... It's Tuesday Travel on the right hook with MasterCard. Um, the competition will send you to one of George's seven wonders of the world. With Mungon's help, we've looked at the Taj Mahal, the magnificent Grand Canyon, Machu Picchu in Peru, uh, the uh, the Colosseum in Rome, and, uh, of course, the Great Wall of China. Two left. Mungon's going to do those next week, but be sure to enter. It could be the trip of a lifetime. Remember, you can explore, discover, and embrace your passions for dining, sports, and travel with Priceless.com. Monk on. Fabulous stuff. Thank you so We're much, Next George. week, we got two left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. Yeah. They're sweet, they're sweet places. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear.